Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. also want to thank R&B Car Company. Once again, if you're looking for a used vehicle, go to rbcarcompany.com. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. All right, so let's talk about uh, SB5 in Indiana. So Holcomb, Governor Holcomb, um, he vetoed it. And this was a bill that would limit local health department actions uh, would would prevent them basically from being able to shut businesses down, close churches, that sort of thing. It took away this unilateral control that local health departments had, which they've clearly abused throughout the pandemic. The courts have ruled that they've abused uh, this authority during the pandemic. And so the legislature put forth SB 5, which would limit the ability of local health officials to be able to do these sorts of things. And Governor Holcomb, because uh, Governor Holcomb is a Democrat, uh, Governor Holcomb decided to go ahead and veto that. He, he didn't want anything to do with it. So let's just go to the Indy Star real quick, give you a little background, and then I'll tell you what's happening today. Governor Eric Holcomb vetoed a bill that could have made it more challenging for local health departments to implement COVID-19 business restrictions and require masks. Uh, did you see the story about the the youth soccer players in the People's Republic of Seattle? So the parents were outside watching their kids play soccer. And the youth official came over and and, uh, kicked all of the parents out and permanently banned the students, the kids, from being able to play soccer because the parents didn't have masks on outside. I know, right? Until the legislative session, Holcomb had only used his veto powers twice. Now he's vetoed legislation three times this session alone just the latest sign of discord between the Republican legislative supermajority and Holcomb, a fellow Republican in name only. Uh, throughout the pandemic, Holcomb allowed cities and counties to enact more stringent restrictions than his own, a power that Indianapolis especially found necessary to use. Now, here's the thing. <clears throat> there, there is an argument to be made that at the local level, there should be more control than what comes from the state. The problem is, is that Holcomb allowed the local level to go beyond what he had done. That was the problem. And what that was designed to do is that was designed to shield Holcomb from the brunt of criticism in some of the, well, let's just say the worst run areas in the state. Because what was happening is he was basically saying, hey, you guys can go ahead and and do whatever. I'll set this, you know, this little blanket sort of status here and you can do it more strict you can do it less strict whatever uh just don't you know it's not my responsibility anymore as i've told you from the very beginning holcomb avoids controversy he avoids tough decisions he avoids leadership he doesn't want the responsibility he wants nothing to do with it holcomb wants to come away from every event with his hands as squeaky clean as he possibly can that's just what he's about okay he doesn't He doesn't like anybody not liking him. He doesn't like doing anything controversial. He's certainly not a leader. Holcomb is a placeholder that the Republicans awkwardly and weirdly selected. Uh, We kind of went over that before on this show and and his very unusual and strange rise to power within the Indiana Republican Party, which was more about him being a placeholder because of other things were happening in the party, but I digress. So... This whole thing was designed where if something was worse or more restrictive than what the governor's provisions were, you couldn't complain to the governor because the governor would go, well, look, I have nothing to do with it. 
That's your local health officials. That's on them. Leave me alone. Stop yelling at me. So that's kind of what happened. Senate Bill 5 would have required restrictions from those local health departments to be approved by their local legislative bodies and in the case of local cities, by the mayor. So all this was, was Senate Bill 5 said, okay, we're not going to let unelected bureaucrats, who, let's be honest, have made tremendous amounts of mistakes throughout this entire thing, we're not going to allow them to rule by fiat as if they're little dictators in these these local municipalities. It's really that simple. If they want to propose something, they can present their case to the local legislative body, and the local legislative body will take a vote on it. And if the local legislative body believes that the health officials are making a strong enough case, then they'll go along with it. But there's oversight. There's a check and balance there. So you have the legislator, uh, legislature, excuse me, basically weighing the advice of health officials and anybody else that they want to call in and, and present their case about. And then they can weigh that with the citizens. They can weigh that with, yes, politics. And they can look at all of it and they can go, all right, this makes sense or it doesn't make sense. And then they can vote. You know how it's supposed to be. This isn't all that difficult. That's all this was. This wasn't basically saying that politicians were going to control your health instead of health officials. Uh, It wasn't going to be anything like that. All it was was allowing a check and a balance. Okay, We already know that local health officials in multiple states and right here in Michigan and St. Joseph County have violated the rule of law. They've admitted it in court. The courts have, have already gone through this process in several places throughout the state of Indiana and across the border in Michigan. Uh, in Michigan, heck, it involves the Supreme Court and the governor, for crying out loud. But we already know that those local health officials have broken the law. This provides an additional check and balance to prevent that from happening again in the future. And this time, you as voters are able to hold your legislative body responsible for how they're handling a situation like this. So if the legislative body is unreasonably rubber stamping the local health officials, or if the legislative body is unreasonably opposing local health officials, you, the voter, get to go ahead and apply pressure You don't get to apply pressure to a health official. You have no say in their job. But you do have the say with the legislative, uh, well, the legislature, I should say. Uh, You have a say with their position. This is all Senate Bill 5 did. That's it. Very easy piece of legislation to understand. Nothing difficult about it. Nothing crazy about it at all. Simply provided an additional check and balance, as we have clearly seen, Emergency powers be abused routinely throughout the state of Indiana, the state of Michigan, and all over the country at the local level. So, some senators got together and said, let's stop that. Let's put a balance there, a check on that authority with the legislative body. What has been the number one complaint about health officials overstepping throughout the pandemic? They have been doing so unilaterally without input from the legislature. It just happened in St. Joseph County again when Dr. Eiderts once again violated the agreements that he had made about seeking advice and consent with the local legislative body. And he went right around him anyway. This would prevent that from happening. And what did Governor Holcomb do? Veto. Because he doesn't want, 
He doesn't want that. This is the thing. Okay, first of all, never trust somebody who wants to be liked by everybody because somebody who wants to be liked by everybody will never stand on principle and they're generally not liked by anyone. They're so afraid of being controversial that nobody actually likes them, but everybody just kind of goes along to get along with them. So the, the surface level in their narrow view of the world, the surface level is that nobody really hates me. They all think I'm okay. It, it, you know, they'll come to my cocktail parties. Everything's fine, but nobody's yelling at me. Nobody's frothing at me, that sort of thing. So I'm okay. That's Holcomb. And there's a lot of folks that are like that. There's a lot of news agencies that are like that. They will not report the truth because the truth will be polarizing. So they will just simply go middle of the road. We are going to be in the center no matter what, even though two plus two is clearly four. And you know what? It's okay. It's okay to pursue truth. It's all right. You don't have to seek out controversy for the sake of seeking out controversy. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes, sometimes there is just right and wrong and fact and opinion and fact and lie. And you just have to report the fact. You just have to. And if you're a leader, there are times where you're just going to have to grow a pair and make the right decision. And the right decision is to make sure that you don't have some power-hungry little dweeb somewhere in a local health department abusing their authority without allowing the local legislative body to be able to go ahead and keep them in check. That's it. It's not that hard. In Indianapolis, that means that the city council, uh, city county council and Mayor Joe Hogsett, opponents, uh, let's see, opponents, wait, hold on. In Indianapolis, that means the city county council and Mayor Joe Hogsett, this is the Indy Star again. Opponents to the bill worried that adding the extra level of bureaucracy would cause unnecessary delays in times of emergency. No, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. These things are, first of all, none of these are, are delayed overly for an overly extended period of time. They're all going to be handled in a timely fashion. We're talking about something that is extremely rare to happen, but it did happen this time around, and we learned an awful lot. We learned that a bunch of power-hungry little dweebs will do whatever they think that they have to do in order to go ahead and control your lives. They'll shut your churches down. They'll shut your businesses down. They'll start trying to charge you money. They'll try and keep you at your home. They'll keep your kids away from school. They won't allow you to drive. They won't allow you to go to the store. They won't allow you to do this. They won't allow you to do that. And none of those people are answerable to the people at all. They're not answerable to you in any way, shape, or form. Wouldn't it be nice if there was a mechanism to ensure that they were not abusing their authority that was a lot quicker than having to go through the court system? This is the other thing. So opponents of this bill and supporters of Holcomb's veto are out there going, this might slow down the reactions to some of these events that are out there. Well, I could actually make the opposite argument to you because what we have had is we have had definitively demonstrably and i've got the court cases to back it up we have local health officials including in st joseph county who have abused their authority and it took months to get that rectified because you had to go through the legal system and you had to go through the courts instead of being able to go right directly to the legislative body and handle it that way so something that could have been handled in days maybe a couple of weeks took months and in some cases a year to resolve through the legal process because there wasn't a check and balance to a, an authoritarian bureaucrat's idea of what should and should not be done. 
This is really that simple. So what's actually happening? Because now that the uh, governor has vetoed this, what's the next step and when will that be happening? I'll give you the updates on that coming up on Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Don't forget, Mother's Day right around the corner. If you go to ImpressJewelers.com and get the address for Impress Jewelry Creations, they have a very special promotional offer for MNC listeners only. If you spend $399 in-store, you can qualify up to $150 gift from LaFon Jewelry. And again, you have to you have to mention this ad when you do this in-store. Uh, you can't shop on the website and get this deal. You have to actually go into Impress Jewelry Creations and get it. But, you know, you have an opportunity to get a couple of different presents for, for mom, maybe something for yourself, and then maybe something for your mom, depending on however you want to do it. Uh, but again, go to Impress Jewelry Creations. They're located on University Park Drive, and they are right next to uh, Judy's and also C. Kramer Interiors. And, of course, let them know that I sent you. It's the only way that you can get this. So you spend $399 in-store at Impress Jewelry Creations, and then you qualify for up to $150 gift from LaFon Jewelry while supplies last. And, again, the deal ends on Mother's Day. All right. So a senator has defended his bill after Holcomb's veto, uh, basically saying that unelected officials shouldn't be able to close businesses and churches. Exactly. Uh, this is a newsbug uh, info. So the Indiana state senator who authored a bill that checks the power of local health officials to unilaterally shut down businesses and churches during a health emergency defended his bill after the governor's veto when unelected officials are empowered to such a level as to limit rigorous liberty shutter houses of worship, choose which businesses may operate and which must close, and impose fines on Hoosiers for living as free men and women, there must be a structural check and balance in place. That is Senator Chris Garten, who's a Republican of Charlestown. Um, and that was a statement that he issued yesterday on Senate Bill 5. So what, what appears to be happening now is the legislature is coming back on Monday. And on Monday, they're going to vote on whether or not they're going to override the governor's veto here. And if they override the governor's veto, then the bill will go forward. If they fail to override the veto, um, and again, never have, I mean, you have no, I have no idea how this is going to go. Um, I am a pessimist when it comes to the Republican Party in Indiana. I just, that's just how it is. Sorry. But they may pleasantly surprise me. Who knows? Uh, but if they don't, override the veto, then the bill dies and local health officials can continue to do whatever the heck that they want to do. Uh, but the idea behind this, again, this is the important part that the people have to understand. The idea behind this is to ensure that you don't have a local health official get out of control like we have had. You know, it, I, it is amazing to me, not surprising, but still amazing to me how Dr. Einters has been in court and has admitted in court that he broke the law and that he abused his authority and that he did things that he didn't have the legal authority to do. And local news basically kept their mouths shut about it and didn't say a darn thing. That, to me, is astounding. Absolutely astounding. There are very few stories that every media enterprise should immediately gravitate towards and a bureaucrat in government abusing their power and having to admit it in a court of law is an easy, low-hanging fruit story that every news outfit 
in the entire country should immediately grab onto, but they didn't. They ignored it. And I'm talking to everybody. I mean, everybody just ignored it. We covered it on this show. Uh, one or two other places picked up on it. That was it. Your television news, your papers, didn't cover it. Didn't cover it at all. If you were to walk around the street right now and, and mention this to people, they would be perplexed and they would look at, what are you talking about? What do you mean he was in court and admitted he did things that he didn't have the authority to do? But that happened. It took a long time for that to be resolved because there wasn't a check and balance in place. Because the local legislative body wasn't empowered to be able to vote on his recommendations. That's what SB5 is designed to do. And unfortunately, the governor, trying to avoid any controversy, he doesn't want any kind of any kind of blowback on him. He's just like, no, 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 whatever. Local health officials can do this. It's, it's fine. Just running from the problem scared like he always has been. We've got more coming up. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Don't forget, you can find us online, uh, trovo.live slash Casey, the host. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. Newstalk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Once again, I'm your host, Casey Hendrickson. R&B Car Company are your used car experts. Got their full inventory and special offers right there on their website at rbcarcompany.com. Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer to receive a Profile in COVID Courage Award. That is the headline. Um, This is, of course, besides the individual who has still got a pending investigation against her for the nursing home fiasco, in the state of Michigan, a Supreme Court ruling against her for violating state law and the state constitution uh, for her uh, handling of COVID, whose husband got caught trying to get special favors during COVID uh, in violation of his wife's own orders to get their boat in the water sooner. Uh, Was it last Labor Day? I believe it was. Uh, in spite of a very strange and weird scandal in which the head of health resigned, was forced to sign a non-disclosure agreement, was paid over $100,000 as a severance package, and everything else that has happened in the state of Michigan, including her getting caught lying about the nursing home situation and the attempt to allow a Democratic political firm to have the full contact tracing contract, which could have been ported over to the Democratic Party to use that information for election reasons, which she, of course, claimed, I I had no idea that that was happening. He was caught red-handed again and was forced to cancel that contract. In spite of all of that and so much more in the state of Michigan, she's going to get a Profile in COVID Courage Award. Michigan is the worst state for COVID. It has been rated as the worst state for dealing with COVID. It has been rated as the worst state for recovering from COVID. And she's going to get a COVID Courage Award. Oh, but wait, there's more. We'll get to that. So anyway, this is Twitchy. Uh, During the pandemic, people in Michigan saw their governor shut down businesses, in-person learning, and put in place all kinds of arbitrary mandates, all while demonstrating the usual political hypocrisy. Oh yeah, she's got two-year-olds wearing masks now. Additionally, nursing home deaths were among the highest in the country, and some of her edicts were smacked down by the courts. Add it all up, and it was apparently an award-winning job performance. 
<laughs> so the Detroit News says Michigan's Governor Whitmer is one of seven people who will be honored by the John F. Kennedy Library Foundation for risking their own health and safety to protect others during the pandemic. Now, are they talking about when Governor Whitmer went out and protested with the Black Lives Matter protesters and did hands up, don't shoot, which, of course, is a lie that never happened. And then she was asked about social distancing and and wearing masks and stuff like that. And she said, we wore masks the entire time, except, of course, we've got pictures of her not wearing one. Is, Is that when she put her own health and safety at risk? Or was it that Gretchen Whitmer merely existed and there was a group of crazy anarchists who were going to kidnap her, who she falsely accused of being pro-Trump acolytes, even though they despised President Trump. Is that what we're talking about? This, (laughs) I mean, the other story that we have about Gretchen Whitmer here from this past week, and we alluded to it yesterday with another horrendously stupid Whitmer story. She apparently used a private jet and traveled to Florida during COVID. Now, we went over this yesterday. We were talking with my friend Todd Starnes' piece about her. And we've got several of her officials, okay, her health officials, who violated her own order to not travel. Okay, uh, One went to Florida, one didn't. And Michigan Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer reportedly asked a group of wealthy Detroit businessmen to borrow a private jet so that she could travel to Florida in March, just as Florida was struggling with a COVID-19 variant that Whitmer would later warn her own residents about. Now, she was, of course, telling all of you you couldn't do that, but she was doing it. Her health officials were doing it. Other senior officials in her staff are doing it, but you're not allowed to. And just like every other Democratic governor gets caught doing this sort of thing, her response when you call her out on it is to say that you're sexist, oh, and now your two-year-old has to wear a mask. You, you, want, it, you want to go for one-year-olds? Say something else, because I'm Gretchen Whitmer. Detroit journalist Charlie LaDuff revealed Thursday on Deadline Detroit that Whitmer asked businessmen, uh, businessmen have major dealings in and with the state of Michigan for what appears to be a political favor, calling on the group to provide her a, quote, private plane that they share so that she did not have to fly commercial. See, if she would have flown commercial, she would have at least technically been putting herself in harm's way, right? One of the businessmen told LaDuff that the group felt obligated to do as the governor asked. Quote, we wondered why she reached out to us instead of booking a private charter. You can't tell a governor no. Who needs that kind of trouble, they said. So you've got a reporter in the state of Michigan who's got business people who now felt like they were compelled under order of the, the Herr Whitler to allow her to use their private jet so she can jaunt off to Florida. After everything that happened with her husband, after everything that happened with the nursing homes, after everything that happened with the contact tracing scandal, after her getting caught lying about all of that, uh, after multiple health officials violating her own orders in order to leave the state for spring break, and, and, and then you have this, and then, again, tons more, tons more. 
And they're going to give her an award? <laughs> this award is less prestigious than the Pulitzer. The last three Pulitzers have been given to people who wrote stories that were fake news stories that were proven to be fake news stories. And they still got a Pulitzer anyway. That's, that's the state of things. You win awards if you're scum and you lie and you deceive people. That's, that's how you win awards now. If you're actually accomplished, you do good things, you're good at what you do, now nah, you don't get awards anymore. Now nah, you get belittled, you get attacked, you get harassed. In the case of Glenn Greenwald, I mean, you get called as a, a blogger, for crying out loud, one of the most prestigious journalists in the country. You get called a blogger simply because you, you write on Substack now. <laughs> you have to laugh because this is craziness. We do live in clown world. I don't know how else to put it. This is 100% clown world. You have more coming up. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. And good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in. News Talk 95.3, Michiana's news channel. Honeywell International exported U.S. military blueprints to China. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Here's a full statement from the State Department. U.S. Uh, Department of State has concluded an administrative settlement with Honeywell International, uh, Honeywell of Charlotte, North Carolina, to resolve alleged violations of the Arms Export Control Act and the International Traffic in Arms Regulations. The Department of State and Honeywell have reached this settlement following an extensive compliance review by the Office of Defense Trade Controls Compliance in the Department's Bureau of Political Military Affairs. The Department of State and Honeywell have reached an agreement pursuant to ITAR 128-Mark-11 to address alleged unauthorized exports and retransfers of controlled technical data that contained engineering prints showing dimensions, geometrics, and layouts for manufacturing castings and finished parts for multiple aircraft, gas turbine engines, and military electronics, and to and or within Canada, Ireland, Mexico, the People's Republic of China, and Taiwan. Nice. That sounds wonderful. The settlement demonstrates the department's role in strengthening U.S. industry by protecting U.S. origin defense articles, including technical data from unauthorized exports. The settlements also highlight the importance of obtaining appropriate authorization from the department, meaning the government, uh, for exporting controlled articles. Under the terms of the 36-month consent agreement, Honeywell will pay a civil penalty of $13 million, so not that much. The department has agreed to suspend $5 million of this amount on the condition that the funds will be used for department-approved consent agreement remedial compliance measures to strengthen Honeywell's compliance program. In addition, for an additional, excuse me, for an initial period of at least 18 months, an external special compliance officer will be engaged by Honeywell to oversee the consent agreement, which will also require the company to conduct one external audit of its compliance program during the agreement terms, as well as implement additional compliant measures. Uh, so Honeywell apparently voluntarily disclosed the violations um, to the government and don't have all the details on how it all went down, but... <laughs> Yeah, you know, $13 million fine and, you know, $5 million of it suspended. 
you know, so it's, it's cool. Nothing, nothing wrong with that. And you just give the Chinese some military technology. Yeah. What's the big deal? Not like the Chinese don't do that all the time anyway. So it's, it's a, okay, you know, but Hey, it's the fact that you gave some of these blueprints to China is mitigated because you gave them to Ireland, but then you also gave them to Mexico, but that gets mitigated because you gave them to Canada. Um, and then, of course, Taiwan is an ally. So I guess, all in all, Honeywell gave it to the good guys more than the bad guys. So that's that's okay. That's Everything is, is fine. It's fine there. <laughs> I know how many of you love your Honeywell. I know it. I know there's double meaning there. But I, I know how many of you in this audience absolutely love your Honeywell. Um, now, look, I'm not saying that Honeywell's a bad company or anything of that nature. I'm just pointing out that this is this is a pretty big mistake. This is a big oopsie. Pretty big oopsie. But it happened. Uh, it's not great. And, <laughs> and uh, it's going to be used against us. At some point in time, it'll be used against us, whether anybody wants to freely admit that or not. That's the reality of the situation. Uh, the uh, other countries will use that technology. They will use those castings. They will test them out in their own designs. That's exactly what's going to go down. It's exactly what's going to happen. Um, you know, and, and something else involving China, too, that you may or may not know. Uh, this whole abolish police, that whole thing, defund police, abolish police, and everything else, you realize that's a Chinese government operation, right? How many years have I been highlighting these operations from Russia and China and to a lesser extent, Iran? You know, these countries have been actively involved in social media campaigns. You realize almost the entire anti-fracking, anti-nuclear, uh, anti-fossil fuel movement, almost the entire thing in the United States is organized by the Russian government. You realize that? The vast majority of it. I know that some of you do-gooders out there who aren't actually do-gooders, you want to think that it's all grassroots and you're all doing. You're being manipulated by the Russian government who is in an energy war with the United States and has been for well over a decade. But you didn't realize it. And how many times have we highlighted this stuff? We pulled this up and the intelligence community has figured this out. They're well aware of it. Pretty much every anti-fracking piece of propaganda that you've ever come across was funded by the Russian government. Almost every single speck of it. And you're talking about Russian collusion and Russian interference and everything else. Anytime you have a, a climate change issue or something of that nature, bet bottom dollar that it's coming from Russia or China, who has a vested interest in screwing with our energy sector. To the point that it makes us non-competitive, which is exactly what the green energy movement does. It makes us non-competitive. But go figure. So, yeah, the um, we've actually found out now the Chinese Communist Party is running all of the uh, abolished policing campaigns in the United States. Isn't that nice? More coming up. 95.3 MNC.